Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello, happy hump day. Hi, Tracy. Happy hump day. Hump day. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. We did have Australia Day. I don't celebrate Australia Day. I choose not to celebrate it in the sense that it means different things to different Australians and less than positive. And personally, I'd be happy if it was a united kind of celebration for all mm. Australians, but it really it isn't. So... For me, I'm happy to just take the day off, yeah, but not get involved in any flag-waving celebration kind of activity. Yeah. I just wish they'd just change the day. Make make Australia Day about uniting everyone and celebrating what's great. And um, as opposed to it happening to be the time where they killed a lot of Aboriginal people and took their lives. Yeah. The landing of the first fleet, right? I've seen it, people on Facebook call it Happy Invasion Day. Oh. Is that right? Something like that. But I guess it's a bit like Thanksgiving in America. I don't know if it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. Some people obviously have a different opinion, don't want it to stop or to change the day. Or some people probably think it's in the past and should just get on with it. And, mm. and, and I kind of agree with looking forward to the future. But my point of view is when there's still problems, the effects of the trauma is current today. And that's mm. why, for me, I made that decision. But anyway, yeah, Australia Day has been and gone. Okay, very good. Yeah, so you're enjoying the rest of summer then? I guess, well, kind of, nearly towards the end, really. We've had some stonking hot days. So... Yeah, it's very, very hot sometimes. But then it's been like, you know, rainy days. I like the rainy days because it just breaks up, cools it down, unless it's really humid. But, yeah, what else have we been doing? I did go out for a friend's birthday, Rishma, birthday. Yes, nice. That was really nice. It was just one of those really beautiful days, live music. Everybody's happy, enjoying themselves. And it's that view over the harbour, the bridge, and the old Well, not the old house, because you sat the and it's like, aren't we lucky? That's always how I feel when I'm there. Aren't <clears throat> we lucky to live here in such a beautiful city? Yeah, when it's a beautiful sunny day and, yeah, it's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. And what about you? <laughs> What's been happening? 
since our last chat, I've just been meeting new friends in Italy and exploring the area. So that's a really big thing for us this year is to get out. I mean, we went out in about a lot, a lot last year, but it was all touristy stuff with friends and everything. So this year we just want to really settle into getting to know the area a little bit more like a local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how so do you like it? Oh, yeah. Struggling, but that's okay. Later today, I'm going to go enroll in a language course. I'm going to get assessed and put into my class and then start, well, when they tell me to start, basically, hopefully next week. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's the best way to learn, though, is it? Immerse yourself in the culture. Yeah. Oh, say, say something in Italian. Say, oh, welcome to the podcast, or well inclusive. Now, over to Tracy for our first story. How do you say that in Italian? I don't even know the word for podcast. Oh, say it in English. <laughs> Welcome to all. There you go. That's oh. like I said. Italian's just dire. But we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Sure. And the thing about Italians is they use all the hand gestures. You can literally have a conversation just, <laughs> you know, doing these ones. And they know what you want. I love that. Okay, well, I was actually just talking about Australia Day because, interestingly enough, or not, depending on your point of view, this year it was marred with a bit of controversy. We had several neo-Nazis in the streets leading up to Australia Day, which you might think is something of the past, but now it's alive and kicking. And it was quite shocking and scary. For me to hear that, because it was actually in the part of Sydney where I live, the North Shore. So that's where I live. And then New South Wales, where Sydney is, so New South Wales estate. They passed a law, but it only stops extremist groups wanting the racist ideology. So like symbolism, symbols and things like that. But obviously, if it's the free speech, you've got the right to protest. Police broke up. Another neo-Nazi demonstration, and say about thirty men were served with public safety order prohibiting them from entering any local government areas, and they were dispersed without any arrest. And then the new, which is like, how would you describe what that is? Every state has state. their own. It's almost like a prime minister for the state kind of thing. So the New South Wales Premier Chris Minns condemned the gatherings as pathetic and embarrassing. Because no one wants this. They're importing hate into New South Wales. And that's what he told reporters. And he said if it was, wasn't so serious, it would be pathetic. It's clearly embarrassing to see a group of blokes dressed up in all black in a 40-degree day wearing balaclavas because that's basically how they were dressed. He's also threatening that people found to be in bowl could be unmasked by the police. So they're wearing balaclavas, don't know who they are. They're hiding their identity. And I just think that's such a cowardly thing to do, to be honest. And like, if you're going to have those views, you're going really fuck it up. But yeah, there's been a few in- incidents. So a group of 60 hooded men wearing black masks and clothes, boarded a train. They were intercepted at one of the train stations. They were planning to march through the city. But a lot of this was planned leading up to and to be on Australia Day, which is very interesting. 
but yeah, loads of galleries and then no shows. This is really weird. I guess for me, the biggest thing is what is going on in the world? <laughs> That's societal, isn't it? I think just answering the question about the North, Lower North Shore, for people that don't know it, it's predominantly like, I guess, what you would class as middle class whites, isn't it? Really, black mm. people. It's not very ethnically diverse on the Lower North Shore. So maybe that's why they chose that location because maybe that's a good thing as well because they chose other parts of the city that are more ethnically diverse. There might have been more of a confrontation. Mm. So maybe they chose that location because then that they would not be generally confronted by public opposition. Yeah, opposition, yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? Like, apparently some of them were in, from interstate, that they weren't actually local, apparently. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that's what one of the articles states. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know just what you were saying about why, why is this happening? It's because... I guess some of the memories of what's happened previously in Nazi Germany and like here in Italy where I went, the fascist government of Italy, the memories of kind of in the past generations now. Oh. So the atrocities that happened. I mean, people are even challenging whether these things even happened, which is just beyond me. But that's maybe the memories are fading of just really how disgusting that movement really was and what it did to any well it was a world 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 war that it caused and everything else all the other atrocities that occurred because of that yeah i know i i heard a celebrity comment on this and i thought it was quite interesting what she said she's like basically she says it's a bunch of what i can't remember of the verbatim a bunch of white middle-aged men but they're freaking out because the world's changing mm. and it's not working for them anymore and they don't know what to do. That's basically what she said. It's changing because more equal for women, more inclusive, more fair, and they're not, the privileges are being exposed and they don't like it. That's basically what she said. And I thought, oh, maybe she's got a point. Maybe that's yeah. what what's stirring things up. And the other thing I thought what it could be related to is there was a lot of only, I'm only thinking this because of the timing, timing is to coincide with Australia day. And when I, you know, at the beginning, I started talking about why my personal um, objections to participating and celebrating it on that day, but a lot of companies, organizations, even like the supermarkets here took a policy to not sell or display Australian flags, which are the typical, you know, bunting and the, the typical things that people go and buy and, and display and use to celebrate. And so a lot of companies have come out on record saying they weren't selling it or they weren't displaying it or whatever out of consideration for all Australians mm -hmm. and I don't know if that was that was something that triggered it I don't know really could be yeah yeah what do you think yeah I mean yeah maybe that was the triggering of this protest that they put together but I guess the neo-Nazi movement in Australia and in other parts of the world has kind of been 
brewing and you know some countries yeah i mean these people have become elected into parliament like here in italy mm-hmm. um our foreign prime minister she comes from a neo-nazi fascist white supremacy background that's in the foundations of what her party represent and i think it's been a couple of years now that they've been She's been prime minister, the first female prime minister in Italy, and she's come from that neo-Nazi group. So, and then we've seen in other parts of the world as well, and in Brazil and yes. other countries where this movement has grown. So there's, there's that something behind it. There's, there's definitely something behind it that's feeding into all of this. And like you said, maybe it is that. The feeling of losing some of the privileges that being typically white people have had in the past. So, yeah, mainly yeah. that that the, potential the of losing their power. Yeah, this, I think this is a, it's obviously complicated. I think that's definitely part of it. The world, you know, like the whole DEI must die. We talked about that. Mm. All those DEI, yeah. that's a kind of recent. Or something around for years and years. That's kind of, it's been around maybe what last decade, maybe. It's not been something that's been going on for for a very long time. And so there has been what I would consider positive change. There's a lot more awareness about privilege, about bias, about discrimination, and initiatives to make the world and make things more equitable. And so yeah, there is that change that may be scaring people. So that's possible. But if you think about Nazi Germany, wasn't it birthed through a time of like real poverty? People were really struggling like now. And this is what I'm thinking. Is it this crisis that we're having where people are struggling because we've got the Ukraine war, another war, we've had COVID and it's impacting a lot of people. And I feel like people want to blame, have to blame someone and it and it comes from there. I think something yeah. similar happened. Potentially. I mean, if you hit hard times, sometimes it's hard to kind of just accept that or look inside to see how you've contributed or what you can do just for change. Sometimes it's easier just to follow whatever somebody else is preaching to say. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what Hitler did, didn't he? He kind of blamed Jews for if you're a you know, German living in poverty is because of the Jews, they're taking all our money, they're taking our jobs, they're doing this and the other. That's mm. kind of the beginnings of what he was, or maybe not the beginnings, but that's what he was preaching. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what really kind of depresses me about that, if that is part of it, is that how humanity hasn't really evolved. Like we haven't no. evolved <clears throat> beyond those lessons. I would have liked to have thought that, we're just all human and no one is particularly superior. Yeah. And that was the at least part of the mass mind, but I guess that's maybe a little bit naive. Mm. And in say, seeing things that are happening now, it just scare me because I feel like it's the death of humanity when these things grow and become more mm. of a presence and start to gain power and traction. It's like they're in the shadows I mean, I know they've always been there, but they're kind of in the shadows and then they come out. Yeah. Um, in and a, you know, social media as well, it's a lot easier for them to kind of congregate 
on these social media platforms behind the scenes and also with the dark web as well that makes it accessible for people to you who aren't physically together but especially in a country like Australia where it can be so remote and so the spaces are so vast that it can give them a platform to congregate and then do these types of organised protests that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and targets you know, some problems. of them. Yeah, yeah. But some of me does agree with the fact that people have the right to protest. I, I, mm. I agree with that because if we, if we didn't have that right, then you, you can't stand up against injustices. Yeah. But it is interesting that you said about them wearing masks and I looked at the picture and they're kind of wearing glasses, cap. They've got like almost like ski masks on, black outfits. They're totally, they don't want to be exposed. So the threat of exposure should, I mean, I'm hoping that that's a, a real thing, the threat of exposure. But they should yeah, name and shame them. They should. Yeah. That's right. I mean, if you want to stand up against whatever it is, whatever your message is, then you should show your face. Yeah. And actually, let's be honest, besides the general idea behind neo-Nazism, I actually don't know what they're protesting, honestly. There's nothing. It's either bad journalism or the presence was the demonstration. Yeah. There's nothing um, to say. What are they actually protesting? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. But the the leader of that group, this guy, Thomas Sewell, mm. he is a neo-Nazi. Um, he's it's a self-proclaimed leader of the yes, neo-Nazi. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> right. But he, I mean, he's like got a history of, yeah, I guess, yeah, a, a racist history or at least a history where he is wanting to promote neo-Nazi philosophy Mm. and he's been involved in assaults and racist attacks and involved in anti-transgender rallies that kind of thing so I mean those are the general things I'm guessing that he would stand for and if he's a self-proclaimed leader I'm guessing that's what he would want his you know neo-Nazi group to be standing up standing for and supporting him in so that's why it scares me. And, and the story also says that it's on the rise. This extremism is on the rise. And that's partly why they pass these laws in Parliament anyway, to ban the hand gesture as well and any Nazi symbolism. So that's been banned in a lot of states in Australia. And that's, you know, in response to the, the growing members, which scares me, quite frankly. Yeah. But anyway, so that's that's the story in the SBS. I didn't say where it was from, sorry. SBS News, but it was in loads of places. Sydney Morning Herald, it wasn't so, it was on almost every newspaper. Yeah. Um, Well, that's a positive thing and it's being reported, I guess, because the fact that it's being reported like that, I mean, it was really quite a small gathering in the end, just 30 people. Mm. So the fact that it has been, widely reported hopefully means that it isn't the norm and it's not expected to be the norm. It's yeah. an unusual yeah. activity that's happening and it's worthy of news, worthy mm. of being reported. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. But yeah, it depresses the crap out of me, honestly. 
Oof. Um, yeah. <laughs> like you said, we're not going to learn, are we? No. We just keep going around in these. Um, so Maybe that's what itself. we're destined to do. Maybe we're destined to follow a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Birth, life, death, and all the yeah. same mistakes. But maybe it depends how spiritual you are if you believe in reincarnation. It's just the world, the, the collective is the same as individual. You know, keep being yeah. reborn until we learn. Yeah. But I tell you, if I'm going to get reborn, I want to get reborn as my dog because he's got the best life ever. <laughs> yeah, my shoe. My I'm going to come back as Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or Hendy. Or Hendy, yeah. He's spoiled. All right. What's the next story? Yeah, I want to talk about an article that is reported in so it's a BBC News mm-hmm. and it was just at the end of January. It's about one of our, well, one of your Australian state politicians, a lady called Georgie Purcell, mm-hmm. and it's a controversy surrounding an image of her that was basically doctored to make her look like she had physically bigger breasts. The clothing that she was wearing was also doctored to make it look more revealing. And it was actually, I think it was the nine news news channel that had come under fire because of what they'd done to her image. So basically, she'd seen the image and recognised that that's not her she looked, it's not what she was wearing, and she'd taken issue with that. I'd take so much issue, I'd be well pissed. So there was like some people coming, and generally men, going, What's the big deal? I'd love it. It's the took away my bigger belly, and you know, I think, Oh, yeah, yeah, hopefully, exactly. The thing is with Georgie Purcell, she's quite young, she's attractive, she really doesn't fit like the politician mold. And I guess what you're saying, you're all old and ugly. <laughs> yeah, she definitely does not fit that mold. But she's also previously been depicted naked in a newspaper cartoon. So I think she's, I guess this is another event that's happened where she's being represented in a way and being targeted as a woman and being sexualized instead of she's a politician. And that's what, that's the position of, uh, you know, her public position and the position of authority and power that she holds. Instead of being represented for what she is doing, she's being represented for the way she looks. Mm. So the excuse that Nine News Melbourne gave is that they said, as is common practice, the image was resized to fit our specs. During that process, the automation by Photoshop created an image that was not consistent with the original. This, this did not meet the high editorial standards we have, so I guess that was as much of an apology or admission to a mistake. Did they actually yeah. say sorry for any distress? Did they actually say sorry? Not actually sure, but in terms of what's reported here, yeah, this did not meet the editorial high standards we have. And it just say, Miss Purcell said while she accepted Nine's apologies. So I'm assuming they did apologize in some way. She is skeptical of their explanation. So yeah. regardless of an apology or not, I guess I, I would agree with her that that sounds like a pretty lame kind of That's so lame. Uh, and then blaming it on AI and an Adobe program. 
Yeah. But basically the Dobie came out and said, no, that needs a human input. I would have thought so. I mean, I can't see why Adobe would, you know, the software, sorry, would choose to expose her midriff. No, it's <laughs> really, it's a little bit. And resizing is not going to expose a midriff either. Yeah. It, it, it's why it's just so, uh, such a lame, rubbish excuse. Yeah. But yeah, it just, it is a bit, I don't know, like imagine, this is the thing, it's all, it's about different perspectives. And what people have experienced. So I, I totally get a mum might come out and go, what's the problem? You know, get rid of my beer belly, maybe look taller, mm. slimmer, whatever. And, yeah. and they'd be happy. But they're not subjected to this scrutiny of their physical appearance. They're not sexualized when they're doing a public-facing role that's serious and wants to be taken seriously. Because I'm assuming politicians want to be taken seriously. Yeah, and I mean, the job entails, you know, you're doing a public service. So but you're not you, joking like, around. I'm just trying to, what job would you be happy? Maybe if you're a, I don't know, a model, an actress or whatever, maybe, which we hear that happens anyway in magazines yeah, and things. Yeah. yeah. But to continue to do it, I, I almost feel like it's like a sexual assault. Well, it, what baffles me is, again, we're going around in these circles, aren't we? You know, we've. Me Too movement now, what has that been? Over a decade. And that was raising the profile of workplace sexism and harassment and exposing that and really getting people to rethink about that that's not acceptable in the workplace. And yet we're here like more than a decade later and this, this still happening. <laughs> you know, somebody that's doing a serious, some a female politician doing a serious job she's got some really serious messages she's part of the animal justice party yeah um, and said an mp in victoria the state of victoria she's got some serious messages and yeah that says that you know the messages that they want to put out there about her is how she looks not exactly what she's saying and and male politicians predominantly don't have those same challenges they in the news they're in the press because of the messages that they're wanting to communicate because of the way, but not because they are a man and being sexualized for being a man. No. I mean, men do sometimes get comments on their appearance. Like I remember, uh, what's that dozy git that was Prime Minister of the UK? Boris, right? Like his hair. He used to walk around like he, a naughty schoolboy, shirt yes. and now, hair yeah. and this. You know, like yes. he goes up late to school, just throwing I mean, his clothes yes. on. So he would yeah. get comments. He was certainly not being sexualized. And you could argue that he wasn't dressing professionally in the sense that mm. the level, the acceptable standard for the politicians that he worked with, you know, there's a dress code. I mean, you know, whereas she's dressed perfectly, respectfully and in accordance with any you know, what's expected yeah, of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, look, and like, yet yeah, she's being, yeah, like you say, sexualised in the media. It would be really a lovely experience. Yeah. Like, how dare they? Yeah. But, I mean, behind all of this, there's, like, real, really serious, there's a really serious underbelly of sexism and sexual harassment in Australian politics. You know, they've been 
cases of allegations against men behaving with misogynistic behaviour, with sexism. There was the allegation, well, that went to trial with the Brittany Higgins, who was working in the House, in the Parliament, and she brought to light an allegation of rape. There's lots of other documented sexist behaviours in Australian politics and yet nine news still feel that after all of that, after all of that public attention, that it's appropriate to do this. Mm. There really is like that kind of attitude when it comes to sexism, harassment in the workplace. and Yeah, like it's no big deal. In, in Australian politics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, well, we can just keep on doing this and there's no recourse. Yeah. Yeah, because I, and I, I think I've said this before as well. Like when people think, "All oh, right, oh, it's what's the harm?" You know, blah blah. It's like if you've got to chat any children. Let's imagine you've got a five-year-old girl. How would you feel if they did that to her? And I know I'm using a child, not an adult, but it's, it's the same thing. Like if I say, "Imagine you've got a five-year-old child. She's dressed up like she wants to be a politician, and she's got a briefcase in a suit." You might. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a nice thought. But if you said, oh, no, but they give her big boobs and a midriff, how would that make you feel? It's not nice, mm-hmm. is it? And, that, and that's how I try and frame it to people that really don't get why it's a problem. Mm. How is that okay? It's just not. Yeah. It doesn't matter that she's an adult. She shouldn't have to put up with that. Yeah, mm. exactly. Moving on. What is it? Oh, the books. Yeah, right, right here. But I just remembered... When we were talking about neo-Nazis, so obviously that's something that I oppose. And my friend sent me this film, which I can't even watch it on TV. I can't even watch, you know, fiction or read fiction about it. I just can't deal with it. It's just too confronting for me. And she sent me this film. She goes, it's really good. You've got to watch it. I was like, oh, what is it? What is it? But and it, because it had a Nigerian actor and it was by a Nigerian director and being of Nigerian background I'm really interested in hearing about the accomplishments of Nigerians that's nothing to do with scamming people because that's all you tend to hear about Nigerians <laughs> doing <laughs> scams or being printed and they won the lottery and all this kind of stuff so I'm really keen to hear more about Australians who aren't doing those things you know who are making movies creating great arts writing books that's what I want to talk about and she sent me this thing about this movie by a Nigerian director who's based the movie on his childhood. And the movie's called Farming. And it tells the story of a young Nigerian boy farmed out by his parents to a white British family in the hope of giving him a better future. But instead, he joins a white skinhead gang and becomes one of them. And it is really weird and confronting. And I only, I only just watched the trailer. I can't watch that. Or I watched the first 10 minutes of the movie and I can't watch that. But it's supposed to be really good. So I'm guessing I'm putting out there a movie recommendation. It's called Farming. Okay. But moving on. So there's a story in The Age by Najma Sambal. And Robinson's Bookshop owner. So Robinson's Bookshop is, I guess, a chain. But I don't know if it's Australian or American. But anyway, this is a story from Australia. And the owner of this bookshop apologised after facing backlash for calling for more books 
with white kids on the cover. More books with white kids on the cover. I just said that twice because they were the only books I ever saw pretty much growing up. So for me, it's like, is she living in a different world? Because that's what I was thinking when I read that. And an end to the woke agenda that divides people in literature. And I really find it's this amazing, this idea that wokeism is divisive. I find that quite ironic, but a lot of people do believe that and have that opinion. So Susan Horman, who owns the state's oldest independent bookshop, Robinson's Bookshop, caused outrage on social media when a series of posts from her ex-account were uploaded to Instagram by the account Coffee Books and Magic. The post has since received hundreds of comments condemning her views. An earlier tweet, she'd said, any traditional white family stories and those with no wheelchair, rainbow, or indigenous art, non-indigenous history, were missing from bookshelves. What's missing from our bookshelves in store? Positive male lead characters of any age, any traditional white family stories, kids' picture books with just white kids on the cover, and no wheelchair, rainbow, or indigenous art, non-indigenous history, she wrote. So basically, she thinks too diverse. There's not enough books now with just white kids on. That's, that's the gist of what she's saying. And she believed that to stop diverse books, no, she vowed not to stop diverse books that were against white Australians and books that cause harm and make Australians hate each other. She says, books we don't need hate against white Australians, socialist agenda, equity over equality, diversity and inclusion. And then, it, and then in brackets it says, read as anti-white exclusion. Left-wing government propaganda, basically the woke agenda that divides people. Not stopping any of these in 2024. So that's basically what she wrote. So like, oh, and it even shows, has a picture of her tweet. And they sparked outrage, which I'm glad to hear. And some people are boycotting. Yeah. So did you say she's like the owner of the, yeah, she owns this, yeah. the state's oldest independent bookshop. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's her shop, it's her bookshop. She can stock whatever she wants, right? Yeah. And totally. that's her prerogative. And if she wants to do that, then I guess she can do that if she believes that she has enough customers that are wanting just, you know, those types of traditional white stories, then I guess she should go for it, right? But at the end of the day, I'm guessing that the books she's taking offence to are being published because people want to read them. There's a demand for it. So whatever her opinions are, at the end of the day, people are going to have vote with their money aren't they they're going to spend where they they're going to find the literature that interests them that they want to learn about they want to engage with and i say great if australians are wanting more diverse literature then that's a really positive thing she doesn't want to engage in that then maybe she should stop stocking all the other books and see what happens to her bookshop mm -hmm. yeah i really totally agree with it it's her bookshop sell whatever books she wants I just found it quite amusing. But again, it's something I've heard before that was becoming too diverse, too woke. And I just, I don't think we are, I personally, obviously, I, maybe obviously I'm not going to think that we are. 
especially not in Australia. Mm, no way. And not compared to other places, or certainly not. But it's more around, I think it's just more contrasting. So, you know, contrast is used in so many ways successfully. Like if you're selling something, you know, you say, oh, you know, it costs $10,000, but you can have it for six. Oh, wow, it's 10000 oh, six, yeah. You know, it doesn't seem as bad. And I just think there's something like that going on. People are so used and in the com- comfortable with things being a certain way that when it becomes so different, then it contrasts too much. Mm-hmm. And it's only then that they notice. Because if you think about it the other way, growing up, all you ever see is white people. And do you know one thing I really always really, really wanted? And I actually think I did write to, you know, Moonpig, the online gift card thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I wrote to them. I said, I really love your cards. And it's great that you can create and change and modify them so easily. I would really like to see more people of color, children of color on your greetings cards. Because, you know, I buy... Buy a card for friends, and there's two pictures of two girls going and having fun, but the two white girls. They don't represent your friends. They don't represent my friends, you know, or my family. When there's pictures of people on cards, I mean, the whole idea of being able to put your photos on cards kind of changed that great. But when it's just an illustration to only ever have white people, it's like saying you don't, it's it's like telling, it's almost like telling people you don't exist. It's like that. You don't exist. Yeah, yeah. I do, yeah, I, I do think, like what you say in Australia, like this is the diversity and it, it is becoming a lot more, there, there is more diversity happening. But I think what, what you were saying before and maybe the point was that the integration, that's a whole different thing, right? And in order to get, better integration of communities and different people from different backgrounds there needs to be an understanding of each other and literature forms part of that like if you read a book about a different culture it helps you kind of understand you might not be able to relate it might be not something that you can maybe even connect with but at least you can start to understand and until we start to understand each other better it's going to be harder for us to integrate. Mm. Even if the population in Australia, as you, as you know, there, there is a diverse population of lots of different nationalities. There's lots of people that have migrated to Australia, but there's not really a lot of integration that I was seeing anyway. Yeah, yeah you know. you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right there. There's not a lot of integration. There's pockets of communities yeah. uh, in different places. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I... You know, my jaw would be dragging on the floor if I saw another black person. You know, I should. I'd literally, you know what? I'd still have this. It's so embarrassing. I nearly did it the other day, right? It was a girl. No, it was like, if somebody did this to me in the UK, it'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? But here, I want to, it's like I want to know every black person I see and I want to go over and go, oh my God, hi, how are you? How long have you been here? Blah, blah, blah. But I, I just have to stop myself because they think I was mad, maybe. But I've, that's the urge I get here mm. because it's so rare and it's yeah. like I want to make friends and know that, you know, connect with them and know about their experiences mm. and what they're doing and where they're living and, you know, but in the UK you don't care because yeah. it's... Yeah, it is just more. Yeah. It's more integrated. People everywhere. Yeah, I, 
I totally, I totally get that. You try and, I guess you try and find or build your community with other people that you feel might have similar connection or challenges, you know, same kind of things going on in your lives. Yeah. I mean, I'm still here. still live living here, so it's not, you know, it's not detrimental to me wanting to live here, but. Yeah, it's getting, it's definitely changing, but I mean, I've been here. I've been here. Oh my God. 16 years 16 or years. And it's still a rare, it's more common now, but still hardly nothing. Yeah. Compared to the countries, compared to US, compared to UK, even countries in Europe. I think like Australians, it's maybe because Australians don't think that it's such a, like my husband is white Australian and I've had this, debate with him a number of times about you know the the cultural diversity in Australia and he does he thinks it's really diverse because he eats at Thai restaurants at Japanese you know he thinks that that means there's diversity in the community and integration but there really isn't I mean really if I were to look at all of his friends that he had they pretty much 98 percent you know, white Australian or New Zealand, actually. And he, I would consider him to be reasonably open-minded, but his friendship group is very mm-hmm. uniform. Yeah. Yeah, it's about you know, opportunities as well because the school is homogenous. The schools are homogenous. So, you know, that's what happens. We all, te- you know, we all tend to form friendships with people in our immediate environment, school, work. Mm-hmm. So unless that changes then we're not going to integrate yeah. more and I just like I'm glad to start seeing more people of color working in the cities yeah and even living in some of the predominantly white neighborhoods as well mm. yeah mm. I am I am just going back to the story that I am really surprised by a bookshop owner kind of making these remarks because I, I would have definitely you know, not to put people in boxes, but I would have thought that somebody that is a lover of literature mm. would be a lot more open-minded. So it it is kind of, it does shine a light on the fact that even people that are what you would consider open-minded that should be widely read and educated and the rest of it are still actually very blinkered and you know, to the fact that, yeah, I mean, what she was saying is, I don't, I don't think she was really highlighting or conscious of the fact that what she's saying is that diversity in our literature and our bookshops is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And actually that's what somebody else said here. Somebody else was talking about how many books and stories are, are actually written by white men. And the way we change things is what you said to get, Australians understand issues facing First Nations people is through stories, you know, storytelling, books, music, television. So you're right. It's the the only way. Um, But I guess that's what means you see the contrast, you see more, you know, the diverse types of books in the last two, three years. Well, yeah, it's definitely not an imbalance, though, and that's what she's trying to suggest as an imbalance in the market. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. At the end of the day, let the readers speak. (laughs) You know, if there's demand for that type of literature, that's what the audience is wanting and that's what they're willing to pay for. So that's what authors 
um, are going to be successful at getting published. You yeah. Know, pu- publishers aren't going to waste their money on books that you've been going to sell. Yeah, don't sell. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I think we, yeah, we need to move on. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Is it what would you do? Yeah, what have what, you got? What, what have you got? You do. We have our oh, heart. You need a little jingle. I know. I was hoping jingle, jingle to introduce what this section. Do? <laughs> we have our first story shared by a listener. Ooh. I'm completely making up this voice. But I want to act like this is a listener telling us a story. Oh, my gosh. I have just finished work and there was a corker. Of a what would you do? <laughs> My team member emailed me saying they weren't happy with the client we were working with. The client seems very junior with a Spanish surname and has a thick accent, which is probably why communication is lost in translation. Now, that's not bad enough. It's pretty this, bad, Tracy. That's pretty bad. But if that's not bad enough, they accidentally copied the client they were talking about on the email. Oh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, just curl up and die. <laughs> <laughs> That's my response. That is my what would you do? What curl would you do? Die. Curl up just yeah. Oh, my God. That oh, is hysterical. Well, so, but, sorry. They, they copied E. The, yeah. The person um, they're talking about. The client. I mean, yes. The actual so, person. The actual person. Oh, my God. Right. So there's two parts to that. So the first part of my question is, you're receiving this email from your team member. So you get the email, firstly. So that part is a what would you do. Yeah. But then the yeah. email. And the client's copy. Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so the first part, well, obviously me, (laughs) being me, I would, well, you know, I don't have an accent and I think I've talked to you about this before, Tracy, it's, it's disarming to people before they, they see me and then they, they haven't heard me. And then when I speak, it's disarming and it actually kind of puts them on the back foot. They're expecting an accent of some sort. So even though I don't experience it, I do kind of emphasize and understand what it must be like to have an accent and the barriers that that can create. So yeah, if this was a colleague that had emailed me and said that, I would, I would want to have a conversation with them explaining that, you know, what is the actual problem that she's experiencing because she, she's mentioned like a few things she's that's a junior person thick accent spanish surname i don't even know what relevance that has but maybe that's in relation to the fact that she's got an accent and then the lost in translation of course it, it, if you know you're at work and if you're experiencing issues you need to try and identify what those issues are and what's creating the problem to move forward and you know, make something work or happen. And she seems to identify that the problem is the thick accent. I would want to understand and explore that more and also try to separate the accent from what else might be happening. Because somebody might actually be incompetent at their job, right? Mm. 
Mm. That actually might be a true thing, but the message has gotten blurred. So I'd want to actually understand what's happening, what the problems are. Mm. And is it just because of that accent or is it because actually the person has got some other competency, competency issues that we need to resolve and deal with? Because that, that's a real thing that can be, you know, we need to, to work with. But the accent thing, that's just a little bit rude. Like it's disrespectful and it's rude and it's, I would say just you need to be putting more effort in because every, actually all of us talk differently. We all talk with different accents. might not be like a typical accent from a country, but we all have different ways of speaking. So, yeah, when you're working as part of a team or you're in that client relationship, you need to do better than that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What do you think? I'm going to go, I'm going to say two things. Yes, I personally have people struggling to understand my accent and I'm English, right? Mm. And and I get that. And so I adapt slightly. You know, sometimes I'm wearing slow down, enunciate my words better, not use slang with certain people. I get that. Also, I understand that people who may not understand my accent initially the more they talk to me, the, the more they understand me. And I feel like that's just how it works when you're not used to hearing words pronounced a certain way. And both of us have years of experience working in a multinational company, working with people living in different countries with different languages and different accents. So we're used to that, having to ourselves adjust Maybe how we speak, probably not you as much as me, because you've got very clear, articulated English accent. But the other way, find ways to help ourselves understand that person who may have an accent. There's ways to do that. How you communicate, what tools you use. Can we have this in an email? Checking understanding, asking them to slow down or repeat. But obviously not too many times. Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? Can't do that lots and lots of times. Having lots of interactions so that you can adjust your ear, if you like, and start to understand because it does work over time. But yeah, the, but for me, the biggest thing is how rude that was. I don't even care if that person's incompetent. You know, that's, or that person's made some mistake. It's just rude. And the yeah, fact that there's a much better way to approach it, yeah, say way. there's been some communicate, we own communication issues and then try and work on those. Exactly. You are, you're right though, Tracy, it's a two-way street because I'm just thinking now with my experience here, some Italians that I speak to, they really put in a lot of effort. They slow down their speech. They choose words and language that, you know, is not so complicated so that we can have a conversation and it can go backward and forward. Because my language skills are basic and they understand and appreciate that. But because we both put effort in, both parties are putting an effort in to find a way to communicate, then we understand one another. There are other Italians, though, that I'm speaking to that fire back at me really fast that use complicated languages and complicated tenses. 
And even though they know that I'm a beginner speaker, they don't change their style of communication. And it's not that they're being mean. It's that they're just being thoughtless, I guess. I mean, I'm thinking back at where we used to live. There was a cleaner that used to come, not to our place, but to the neighbours. She's really lovely, always wanted to talk and communicate with me. But she spoke so fast that I knew she couldn't understand what she was saying. And she, she'd be basically wanting to tell me stuff and commute, yeah. But it just, it, there was no point for me to actually engage in that conversation with her. Mm. I would really have liked to make friends with her, but I couldn't find a way to communicate with her. Mm. And it's a two-way street and that's maybe what the point is there. Like, yeah, absolutely. This person that fired off the emails needs to take some responsibility for that communication mm. breakdown. Exactly. Yeah. Two-way street, absolutely. And maybe, you know, we, we have the privilege of having had that experience to have learned that basically, because maybe, you know, perhaps we wouldn't have had that lesson had we not had that experience. But yeah, that, that's always going to be my advice. It's a two-way street and there's strategies and things you can do to improve your communication with someone that has a different accent to you. Yeah. But if you want to work in a global company, you want to work in a multinational, yeah. then you need to really get your head in the game because you're going to have yeah. to learn how to communicate with people with yeah. different accents. And actually we talked, we did talk about accents. We talked about implicit bias because not only was the accent, but there's an implication that they're less intelligent. That's another, that's an implicit bias. It's implied by the fact they've got an accent, so then they mustn't be very smart or as competent. Mm. And that's something else that I took away from that message. I could be wrong when you're right. The company, what you said was very great at the beginning. Ask more questions to get to the root of the problem because it might be that there's problems, but it might be that this person has implicit bias as well. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it by the, the, the phrasing of the messaging that's being sent out. Yeah. What about, Ren, let's be nice now. Maybe. What advice will we give this person to fix this mess, to dig themselves out of this hole? They've just built oh themselves. Well, I mean, first off the bat, that absolutely needs to be an apology, right? And it needs to be a genuine, authentic apology, really addressing what's happened and, and where that messaging came from. I think we all need to, everybody deserves a second chance. The person that wrote this message, maybe she was just letting off some steam to a colleague and she'd come into work on Monday and maybe feel a different way about it. Okay, what can I do to, you know, work with this this client? Mm. So, yeah, I want to cut somebody a little bit of slack and, and like really hear what kind of apology they would have and mm. how genuine and authentic it was. If it, if it really doesn't address the issues, like you say, some of those biases and the rudeness of it, the inappropriateness, then I'd be questioning really how heartfelt and how genuine an apology mm. would be. But that would yeah, definitely, you'd have to apologise. Yeah. And then start looking at whether the relationship was salvageable. Yeah, because whole, this whole thing, I'm just thinking from this person's perspective, of the client who they're talking about, I'd feel awful. 
if I ask us an email or my cousin's family, my ex and, and all this kind of stuff, I feel terrible and I feel so uncomfortable working with that person. And, a, and this is personally, I might be doubting whether myself, questioning whether I was up for the job or really angry. I don't know. Who knows? It's that whole idea about creating psychological safety in the workplace. But anyway, we don't know the background. We don't know all the details. We don't know if this is typical behavior for this person or mm. if it's a one-off. But there definitely needs to be some cultural awareness training. For a manager, it'd be like cultural awareness training, apology. <laughs> and trying course. Yeah. Apology. <laughs> and and then you're going to deliver the training to your department. <laughs> I want to do the training and I want you to come and give, give us the training. Yeah, oh my gosh, that would be so embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. But good. But, but yeah, I, I think you're right. That that whole feeling safe in the workplace, I mean, it would be up to the person, you know, that was being criticised in this email. It'd probably be up to them to decide as to whether they could continue working with this person. Yeah, absolutely. They felt like they could do that. Yeah. Because the psychology could really affect their work performance. Mm. And then it would be negative reflection on them, wouldn't it, you know, moving forward. Yeah. If you didn't feel like they could perform their best in that situation, then it could negatively affect their yeah. career performance. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember some advice. I think we got this in training. I'm sure this is, I almost think this is in the training in our own corporate work about emails and etiquette. And it was never write an email that you wouldn't want to, spread across the news that's it yeah that was it so when you're writing emails if you would not feel comfortable with that being on the news 10 o'clock news 9 o'clock news whatever then don't put in an email yeah i think that is actually emails or not anything that is just really common sense rule mm-hmm. like saying if you're gonna if you if you're really doubting something that you're about to do in the workplace Consider that being a headline, page one, you know, newspaper splurge, and it might get you to rethink again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How you're about to do. Yeah. Have that, have that little thought. And that's, mm. that's a really good advice. Good advice. Tracy. Good advice. Good advice. Mm. And we have talked about accents before in the workplace, and we've talked about implicit bias. And actually, what you said as well earlier about, how you receive people that seem to be expecting an accent and then mm-hmm. you open your mouth. Well, you know, Bavna talks about having that experience as well. Mm-hmm. And actually she also talks about seeing people from India with a strong Indian accent being discriminated against mm-hmm. and having that perception herself. And if she opens her mouth, she has mm-hmm. a very proper English accent for that reason. Whereas my dad, he's lived in the UK all of my life which is a long time now, mm. has a, still has quite a strong accent. Yeah. And mm. mostly, yes, he's chosen to keep that because if he wanted, he could have. I mean, I'm sure it's softened a little bit. And so, yeah. actually, my mum is from Ireland. She still has an yeah. accent. It gets strong, yeah. and our accents get stronger when we're around our own kind. That's you know, it, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get stronger again. I get that. I, I, I went to dinner with a, a friend of ours. When they got back from my trip to the UK, 
And she could not understand half the things I was saying. <laughs> you sounded more your like more north. Yeah, something too north. Yeah, she couldn't understand like, me. Quite funny. But anyway, that is a core care of what would you do? I don't know. Like, if I was that person that sent that email, yeah, I, I think I would resign. <laughs> gonna just back out of this very slowly. <laughs> Yeah, start again somewhere else. Start yeah, again. Maybe. <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully, she's reflecting on what's happened, and then we'll. And it was just like a, a stupid mistake. I mean, we all make mistakes, don't we? Yeah. Especially if it's late on in the day and I'm yeah. tired. Or perhaps I'm I'm blaming young people here. I shouldn't have been ageist. Perhaps they're very young with an experience. Yeah. But maybe not. Perhaps they're very old and not yeah. used to working with anyone that's not. Yeah, she did mention the person being younger, didn't she? Younger. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they did. So maybe, I don't know, who knows? I don't know. We don't know the context. Unfortunately. Thank goodness. Actually, I'm glad I don't know all that. I don't want to know anymore. (laughs) That is our best advice. (laughs) What would you do? And if you want to listen to that episode where we talk about accents and we talk about implicit bias, that was season two, episode 13. I'll check that out. Thank check you, Daisy. Okay. Yeah. All right. So done and dusted. Done and dusted. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!